Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Hold My Bread. It's me, Matt Backus, and back is Joel Wachowski. Hello, Joel. Hello, breadheads. Gather around it. Time to join the gluten gang. You are listening to Hold My Bread, the $8,900, podcast. Our securities are doing rough, but our crypto... Related stocks are holding us through. We are steady. We're looking at some big plays this week, and I quit the podcast, and it lasted exactly one week. Yeah, it didn't uh, last long. We had Ari fill in. It was great. I think he's ready to fill in again. He had a good time. I think he did some research for another episode, and uh, we ended up. You ended up coming back earlier than we thought. Well, bring him on and vet. And you know what? I had a little knee surgery. I've been up into the woods with homework over here. So it's been busy times, but I am a little flush today. And that is thanks to Saturday night. We have the king and queen of poker. We are back, folks. I'm vaccinated, folks. Me and Miss Backus, Taylor Fogarty, <laughs> if you don't know her, we 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 showed everyone that financial conservatism was the way to go in a heated game of outdoor poker. Yeah, that was impressive. You guys both held strong. Taylor uh, quietly just built her stack, and it was slowly pointed out throughout the night as people began to realize that it was the numbers were dwindling and her stack just grew and grew. It was very exciting to see, and uh, it feels good to, if you're not going to be a winner. It does feel good to go home with a winner. Yeah, and Matt, you saw Matt support her really well. He was minding her chips very, very, very precociously, very kindly. He did put forth an effort, so it was a sweet thing to see, and we're all blessed for it. Yeah, it was great. So, and this episode is, you know, coming out a little late just because, like you said, you've got some stuff going on. I had the, I got my vaccine shot. It kind of knocked me on my ass. So, but I'm glad we're back together. We're reunited and. We're doing another episode. I think it's uh And you know, I, I, I got I gotta be humble here. I got I gotta kill my ego. That's the last thing I said to Gabby when uh, I, I we departed ways. I said, kill your ego, you'll be better off for it. We looked at a house we wanted to buy. So, you know, those kind of conversations were gonna happen afterwards. But um I totally lost my train of thought there, Maddie. Is that embarrassing? Is that bad? No, it's okay. You know, we're under a lot. You know, like you said, you got you're up to your ass in school. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, in in the spirit of that, with Gabby, I have to say that for as much as I crow about my school here, I failed a math test. Well, it's forty-two percent worst I've ever done on anything in my life. I straight up didn't know anything. It was everybody's nightmare lived out in real time. So I really had to hit the books and just suck up so much for these courses. It was, I made a presentation for the Airbnb stock valuation that was all sorts of edited with moving graphics and jokes and bits. And that's just for five points because Darn it, I've been needing them. So that's where I've been. I've, it's been like that episode of The Simpsons where Bart breaks his legs. Um, and he can't swim? Yeah, everyone's having fun beneath him. The classic but, mill pool. Yeah, but, I mean, just to go back to poker, I mean, everyone was betting big. Everyone was playing fast and loose, but you just followed the cards, and it was just the way to go. And I feel good going back to my financial conservation methods right now 
Um, I'm looking at my sum and I'm looking at how to grow it. And the one thing I learned in this 42% math class was how quickly 8% a year adds up. So keep that in mind, everybody. That's, hey, that's, I mean, that's not, not a lesson. That's great. Yeah. So, and now I, I think last time I was on my own podcast, I talked to you about these like affordable housing apartments for purchase. Uh huh. And a lot of those, you only have to put up like 10%. And, you know, I got that fancy lady in my corner. So we live in some fancy places. So I think I might got a playbook to just, really set myself up on a nice path and it'll be interesting to see where that goes yeah i did we did talk to gabby a little bit about i talked to gabby a little bit about it we didn't get into the details but it sounds like there's moves being made for uh for you to be set up uh you know not on not on easy street but it does seem like there's a new path um being being uh what do you do with a path yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I'm open to new opportunities. There's a lot on my plate right now, but it's very, very speculative. Things are all kind, all crazy in the air, all over the place. Well, we're... He, s- Go ahead. Sorry, let me cut you off. This is, this is weird. This is... And I, we don't, I don't even know how to go to this, but um, I think I can get a loan. And I think someone needs to value the MBA and the Master's in Finance as like, you know, worth money moving forward. And you're going to need like a mortgage guy to like really give me the benefit of the doubt. And there is this one guy who is a mortgage guy and I think he'd help me, but he, uh, he, he gets drunk and he just talks about fucking me so much. And I was like, yeah, I'm looking at these HDIC units. He's like, oh, huge dick in charge. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. So the only way I can get a mortgage is to just be made, made to feel really uncomfortable by this guy and it's already looking like it's playing out that way right you gotta be yeah you have to be sexually objectified well that's the mortgage game you know a lot of people don't talk about it but a lot of people in housing because we our podcast we're in stocks we got we got securities we're in crypto we're about to be uh in real estate you know we're diversifying in every way yeah um i think so and there's absolutely something to that so not bad at all Right. And I think, uh, you know, not that owning uh, something is not, it's not passive income, but it is a little bit of a, it's a path towards passive income. Yeah. And, um, but hey, I think there's a way for all of us. I'm just looking across the stock market landscape. Um, I, we've seen legalization pass in New York City since, um, I was last on this show, but I didn't see MJ, the marijuana ETF. Remember, folks, we like marijuana ETFs, not stocks. So MJ is still a very good value. I think it's like still $21 a share and like it's going to steadily increase over time. It's not a it's not going to be a home run right now. But in terms of like buying something and forgetting about it, I just love it as that. Yeah, $21 in 22 cents beautiful well when we did talk about this actually when ari was on we talked a lot about the legalization and uh i did it is a slow rolling process and as you know obviously you are allowed to smoke and have weed right now but the infrastructure is not there and a lot of the money is going to come from infrastructure and um again we talked about this i think on the last episode but a lot of the money i mean new york is such a big market for a lot of things i mean it has potential to 
to be such a huge market mover for, for, for recreational weed. I mean, New York has so much swing with other places that the, the, I've seen, you know, $64 billion is a number I've seen thrown around, um, for New York. It's, it's wild. And just think of the money that they would make as an industry related to just Las Vegas and New York. The full repercussions about those legalizations haven't been seen by a long shot, but um, there's ways for it to go and it's going to become a legit industry. And just today, Bloomberg published a study that, you know, um, cannabis users are actually the ideal customers. They spend more on their body. They exercise a lot, so they're going. They have a longer life expectancy, and you can get so much more money out of them than you would otherwise expect. Yeah, that's kind of surprising because I think people associate people that's you know. There's this for the for as long as you know it's been around. There's been this stereotype of lo- lazy stoners eating bad food. And obviously that stuff is out there, but I do think people there are people that are using, you know, marijuana as a, in a medical form, in a medical way, people doing it before they work out, people doing it, um, like a glass of wine, you know, that sort of thing. I think those people are out there and I think they are more informed than, you know, people that are just getting fucked up and smoking weed and eating Taco Bell every night. Yeah. And there is, I mean, if there was any stigma, seeing the customer-based, like, praised, exalted in, like, the stodgiest, like, publication, like, Bloomberg, I mean, that's all you need to know right there. That is legitimacy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, that is, um, yeah, I'll be very, I'm very curious to see, cause you know, you, I, we've, you spent time obviously in a lot of time in Michigan and I, before the pandemic and everything, I would go to Denver, uh, at least twice a year for comedy shows. And I've kind of seen the, the weed uh, industry kind of just expand, and expand, expand every trip I've taken out to Denver. It'll be interesting to see from, you know, we've been in New York from the day it was passed to a year from now, uh, when people start getting licenses for for things and, you know, venues start opening up and there's weed cafes in, in Denver. I mean, are we going to see those opening up in New York City? I mean, who knows? Yeah. And as more markets open, it's not just that there's going to be more sales, it's that there's going to be more synergy. There's going to be more opportunities for their, them to really hone and pinpoint and treat this like a legitimate market where it grows over time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I have a kind of crazy place. So, I mean, I didn't like how I was trading on this podcast um, earlier in the year, right? I didn't know if it was very prudent. I think I got lost up in the, you know, hubbub that was early 2021 investing. And I mean, we all made a ton of money out of it. It's fun. But man, is there not a can't miss coming up the pike to this week? Coinbase IPO. We are in a generational IPO market. Bitcoin is going off like crazy. So, you know, I have, we have the show portfolio and I got my separate penny stocks. I'm going to sell my sweet pennies and I'm going to put like five G's into the Coinbase IPO day of hold that shit. And then once I think it's plateaued a little bit, I think it will probably double in the year if we're just going to judge by how worthless companies have doubled over the past quarter (laughs) but um yeah and then once that hits you flip it back into 
MJ, which is going to go up over the Biden administration. And boom, three years, I got my down payment for my HDIC house off this five grand here. That's the play, boys and girls. We're turning five into 10 with the Coinbase IPO, hopefully. And then we're flipping that into MJ. Yeah, I'm, I still, I still think I need to do a lot of research on on Coinbase, but I do think I'm going to go in with you. I think I'm going to. Um, I haven't really been making a lot of plays in my personal finances. I haven't really. I was just talking to uh, my roommate about this. I haven't really made any moves um, as far as investing go. And I think Coinbase is the next thing I'm looking at. I still have to do a lot of looking, but and we've talked about them before on the pod. But I think. They have such a leg up in a lot of different ways. The infrastructure is there. They have the user numbers there. Um, I think it's, I mean, they seem to be responsible and, and, and handling things well. I know there was a, a controversy with Ripple and they were quick to remove Ripple from their from their trading thing, which is interesting. Um, so I think Coinbase, the IPO, is, is definitely something to, to look into. Yeah, and I, I you, you just want to be a part of it, right? And this, this is one you kind of have to be on because I think it, it opens up on the 14th. So this is when you're going to, like, this trade annoys me because, Matt, you know this about me. Like, I think my biggest strength and the one thing that's kept me alive all these years is that I'm kind of a pussy. Like, <laughs> I don't mean that to disparage, but, like, I go to the edge of the cliff. I have a great time. I don't jump. You know, so when it turns, I see this play out there, this low hanging fruit, you know, it's not exactly in my nature to reach out and grab for it. It's more in my nature to just, you know, throw the money to the robot and forget all about it. Right. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see. I, I, uh, I'm very curious as to what, uh, what it's going to bring. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's, and I'm glad to see you, you know, if you believe in it like that, then it's, that's, that's a sign for me that it might be. The real deal, because like you said, you might uh, you're 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 t- you tend to be more conservative. I mean, do I believe or have I given myself over to the nihilist stupidity that is the modern world? And it's just like we've watched like every IPO that's even tech ad- adjacent hit the market and double immediately. Of course, that's going to happen with Coinbase. It's happened with Airbnb. It happened with DoorDash. It happened. It would happen with Slice if Slice went out and like. It's just a bigger trend. I'm I because I hear Coinbase talked about on Reddit all the time because I see it trending on Twitter when people are begging for where Doge to go. It just seems like it carries weight in the world and when a brand carries that weight, you know, income statements be damned, that stock gonna fly. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think it's uh I think it's a good move. I think it's got a lot of potential. I mean, they're at the forefront of crypto and crypto. We're still in the early ages of crypto. I mean, Bitcoin is obviously blowing up. Dogecoin has been up a lot. I mean, it is crazy. I know we've gotten messages from our listeners about, and and, and people hate Dogecoin, but the numbers don't lie. I have made a decent amount of money off Dogecoin in a very short amount of time. So I think it's worth and I, it. I was in on it, but then, you know, I once I realized that the demand would always be stabilized, that there would never be a scarcity, I was like, okay, I see the ceiling for this. I can't get in on whether or not it was a huge, unless I did like crazy volume. And then back to my nature, I am again, a huge like wuss to see my stock portfolio vary by hundreds. Every time I checked it, it was just making me check it more and more. And I couldn't live like that. 
Yeah, that's funny though because I feel like me going through the the GameStop thing really it upped my tolerance for volatility, and uh, I don't get as nervous. You know, the numbers are getting bigger and the negatives are getting bigger, and I'm not as panicked as I would have been uh, a couple of uh, you know even a year ago. Yeah, but I mean, you did well for yourself. I don't think either of us have filed our taxes yet, so that remains to be seen. Do you do you think they'll let us do the show from? Um, a minimum security federal prison. Uh, I'll be doing this show from uh, a Swiss bank. I'll be in a Swiss bank in the vault doing it live, standing next to my Dogecoin. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not worried about that. That's you know, next the t- when taxes come around, we'll see. I, I I'm not too worried about it though. Yeah, you're gonna write off your GT Racing gaming chair. You're gonna be quite all right. Uh, yeah, that's we're, right. We're this is with the battle station. Uh, speaking a little bit about GameStop, actually, I did. So currently GameStop is at, uh, it's kind of tanking a bit. It's at 140. It's holding steady at 140.20. Um, and I, uh, I bought a, a, a GameStop call that expires on uh, Friday, a $200 GameStop call that expires on Friday. So, uh, if, if it, if it pops off, then I make some cash. If it doesn't, I lose about $500, which is fine. I'll take a $500 gamble on GameStop at this point. And um, it, it does make me feel a little bit like it's a bit, I think we, what was it? Uh, Jeff, we were hanging out with Jeff the other night and he said, it's like QAnon because I'm like reading all this stuff and I'm trying to like, you know, it's very conspiracy theory based, but a lot of stuff I'm reading is like the 16th and you know, the 16th is supposed to be a big day for GameStop and all this stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to go off of a gut feeling and off of, off of rumors I've read and I'm going to buy this call. And uh, hopefully, um, hopefully I'm right about it. If not, you know, $500 there, there it goes, but I feel good. Uh, so hopefully that'll happen. Hopefully that'll pan out. Yeah. Um, so I knew where it was Saturday night. Where is it after trading today, Monday? It closed at 140. Um, okay. but at one point it was at 163. It was at one, it, it, 935. It was at 163 and it's currently 14040. So, uh, I mean, we have a whole week ahead of us. I'm hoping, um, you know, obviously I'm hoping by Friday, you know, let's get to 400, let's get to 500 by, by Friday. But you know, um, you know how like, um, a, a line on a basketball game will always build in the half point on yeah. the right side. So I have noticed a pattern. So you kind of, and I've followed you on a few of them. So this is not like a criticism at all. You've done a couple of like popular options plays, right? Uh huh. And as soon as the plays were, happening and we were monitoring them i noticed that the expirations were just like nudged not quite in our favor like they were one day beyond where it would happen and in this case on the 16th yeah if there's news on the 16th but that's a friday so you might get the news but you might not get the response to the news that is honestly a fear I've had. You're absolutely right about that because I've I, some of the things I read online were saying that six, the 16th is when the news is going to break, but then people are talking about how the 20th might be when the pop happens. So yeah. that is you're absolutely right about that. And there was that one time we lost money on an option because we didn't realize there was a bank holiday. So yeah, <laughs> so we we shorted ourselves a day. Yeah, I mean, we could have waited till Tuesday and had, maybe I think, maybe made money on that one. But, you know, we just didn't look at the calendar. So we do have the <laughs> the rubes of Wall Street over here. 
Yeah. Well, so the, yeah, so that's just a quick, a little update for as far as, you know, what I'm doing with GameStop, but other than GameStop, I still got my Churchill capital sitting there and I'm looking forward to Coinbase. But other than that, there's not much going on as far as my personal finance. Churchill for life, baby. I still believe in you, Churchill capital. Come on. Yeah. They're going to value it like a tech company. Eventually they're, they're pretty people will fall for it. And you know, I, Things are tough for me in school. Like people keep like scheduling calls for me, and like they they're doing crazy flexes on the call. We were supposed to record this episode yesterday, and like for some math homework, I got kept on a call for like five hours. And that's yeah, not, not like, an exaggeration either. That you were literally on that call for five hours. Yeah, I texted Mel like I'll get you on the call. It was like at five, we had literally one math problem to do, and they decided off a. They said that Pepsi was a constant growth model offhandedly in class, like as just a side comment. So these guys got it in their brain that we Pepsi was a constant growth model. As we're crossing the finish line, they're doing all these equations for Pepsi. Finally, they call the professor. She's like, no, what are you talking about? I don't even care if it's right. Just put in the formula. And then they spend two more hours on it. And meanwhile, my, my portion of the project, I just, they're all kind of, I love them. They're wonderful, but they're ESL. So I just write the, the papers. They do the math. It's probably why I failed that test. They, <laughs> they, made it so, they made it take so long. Yeah, that's the problem. Is there's not a lot of English uh, <laughs> required in what you're doing. And today people hit me up on like little hiring things and they're, they always schedule a call. And they make me wait. So Rough introduction to the business world for old Jolie boy. That's all right. You were like, I'll be there when I can. And I'm like, don't you worry. You take your time. I'm finishing up the prestige. Yeah, and it, It's amazing. But I, I spent the last week studying McDonald's and Chipotle and pretty interesting how they kind of tell the story of the fast food sector as a whole. So, Matt, what do you know about fast food? Uh, I mean, I know it's very profitable. I know it's, uh, a lot of, uh, unfortunately due to a lot of like food deserts and, and poverty and things like that. It's a lot of uh, options for a lot of people. Um, so there's a lot of money there. Yeah. So I do think that although they get a ton of money, um, a ton of like criticism and rightly so, um, for people working for minimum wage and all that, uh, I think they've made a lot of people rich. And I think they've made a lot of people rich, not only in their stocks, not only in their franchises. It's been one of the great wealth creation tools of the of the modern America. Yeah, I mean, I think that fast food, I mean, in the scheme of things, fast food is not that old of a thing. And I think that it's given, it's a real entrepreneurial thing where people have seen that there's a demand for this or people are like, hey, we can get good at this and there's a market for it. Yeah, I think so. And But when I looked into McDonald's versus Chipotle, I think that they do it in actually the other, in the exact opposite ways their formations are completely opposite they don't have a single process in common and now chipotle has done so good mcdonald's is now ripping off a couple of their things they're doing like the way orders are distributed and all that so like even just the in-store interface like something about the way chipotles are designed allowed them to you know 
just stay open during the pandemic, unlike any other restaurant. I feel like there is a lot of like, as you scale up in these fast food restaurants, there's, it does get to a point where there's like, they can, and it goes, this goes, I guess, in any industry, but like they tweak one thing or two, one or two things in a certain way. And you've immediately saved the company and the investors and whoever else millions of dollars by moving one thing around. You know, there's that whole thing about McDonald's is, the like the layout of the kitchens i mean they're made to be efficient they're made to be they're made to save money at every corner they cut corners left and right to to make money and i've never worked a fast food job i i I don't know i mean i'm aware of how much it sucks and how uh, you know underpaid and all that it is and all that but it is interesting the the cost cutting measures they take yeah and you know what there were i applied for fast food jobs i couldn't i couldn't get them I was a busboy at a German restaurant. They didn't like that I would eat the uh, food off the plates, but I was getting paid two sixty five an hour. So, you know what? I think that's that's fine. You get a little bit of Wiener Schnitzel worth it. And right now, you see, like a share, like we always when we start doing this podcast, we didn't get that share price wasn't the end all be all be all thing, right? Right. So right now you see that oh McDonald's is one hundred and forty is like two hundred and fourteen dollars a share or something like that. Chipotle is fourteen hundred dollars, and they're actually equally valuable companies. Like by no metric is Chipotle, even though their stock is twelve times their market cap is amazing. Like they're not a better company. So much of how they are, how their that stock looks is defined just by how they are arranged from like a corporation perspective. Right. That just means, I mean, top down, like if you kind of look at it that way, top down, uh, Chipotle seems to have things just different structure. Like you said, that even McDonald's is kind of taking some of the things that they're doing. Yeah. And so, but on the other hand, though Chipotle has this crazy value, the, wh- why do they have that value? It's because they're centrally owned. And every dollar that Chipotle has ever made, they've kept. And they keep it in-house. They develop outside. You know, you can buy a McDonald's franchise, but you can't buy a Chipotle franchise. Interesting. I guess I never thought about that. Because I do remember. I remember growing up, in Indy, uh, Indiana, and I remember one of my friends, one of my best friends, his dad owned a couple of McDonald's franchises, and we were like, these people are loaded. They own a couple of McDonald's. They're rich. And I think they were very well off, you know? I remember they owned a jacuzzi. That was a big deal. I remember being a kid being like, your parents own a jacuzzi? You're rich. Um, I, and that, the whole, the franchising of a restaurant is interesting. I wonder why Chipotle is structured that way. Because they absolutely crush it, my guy. And because of that, everything counts as an asset level. So because of they they do that, like certain ratios when they go through and they do their like calculations that determine a stock price, which is like a return on assets, returns on equity, any solvency ratio, because they have they own everything and they have zero debt. And because of them making that decision that everything was going to be organized in this one way, the stock is worth so much. And that's incredible. I, uh, I, I wonder, 
Are there other, that's interesting. So that's what kind of makes them a powerhouse because I guess they're probably to my knowledge, at least, I mean, I'm just kind of learning about this now, I guess, but it's like, are there any other companies or fast food places that do this? No, no. McDonald's is the other side of the coin. They do the exact, exact opposite. So McDonald's, they're franchise based. They don't own anything. They own the brand, dude. They own the distribution process. They're, they're just taking a rake of it all and everything they do is for is you know what it's set up for a franchising it's decentralized and even just in terms of how they operate like you know mcdonald's is volume chipotle is quality even in terms of like how the beef is sourced and this doing this mcdonald's rakes in this cash and what they do they don't keep any of it they give out the largest dividend payment of any company they've they're one of the dividend aristocrats and that means they've given out a dividend that has increased in size 25 years in a row interesting okay so they well and that kind of fits with their whole their whole uh, motto of what billions however many billions sold or whatever because they're literally a number it's a numbers game yeah and, and by the same metric when you go they've so for example they've their dividend payment has increased 45 times in a row. That's a lot. That's a fair amount for sure. Right. When you value the stock, what do you do? You you do you you use the dividends. You do the dividends over the time period and that's how you get to the price that determines it. So on opposite sides, you see these guys are just coming up with ways for fast food stocks to make so much people so many people so much money. Right. That was going to be my next thought is like, and if you're, if you're an investor and you haven't had McDonald's for a while, seeing that dividend, not only just seeing that dividend come in, um, but seeing it come in consistently increasing, God, it's got to make you happy. Yeah. And it, you know, McDonald's, they have a great cost of goods sold where every menu, every like thing on their menu makes them a little bit of money. And it's kind of their stock is the same way. And like where this, the, on the other side, like, Chipotle is a really well thought out conceived idea and it's totally working. And that's true of their stock as well. Interesting. Yeah, you're right though. It is, it is, they're all, they are the same, just different sides of different strategies. It's interesting to compare the two. I can see why that's uh, going on right now. And where it gets really interesting to me, Matt, is that Chipotle was developed under McDonald's. Right. Aren't they, aren't they, how, how, cause aren't they tied somehow? No, it was developed under the McDonald's brand. They took an ownership stake up till 2006, and then they spun off Chipotle, and Chipotle did their own IPO, and it immediately just went in the opposite direction. And now they've had their success, like both of them, for different reasons, but now you're seeing, like, now that we're outside of the pandemic, you know, McDonald's is looking to Chipotle and, like, kind of their channel partnerships, their distribution processes, their store design. And these were actually the same issues that caused them to sell off in the, in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so now McDonald's is like, they were wrong there. And now they're kind of reversing course to insert a couple of initiatives from Chipotle. Well, I do think people always, people also just associate Chipotle with being a uh, high end, more quality product and all that. And I don't know if that's necessarily, that's not, not true, but it's also like, I think that's a lot of, uh, um, it's kind of an illusion a little bit. I'm not saying it's not a quality product. I just am saying, I don't think it's as high quality as people will make it out to be. 
Um, but it, but you know what? It's in that sector. It is of that quality. And uh, while McDonald's gets trashed for like treating their workers poorly, this year Chipotle deliberately kept their their stock price down because they gave so many bonuses to employees because they broke sales records during COVID. Right. And there was like a couple years ago, I remember the, there was like the Ebola stuff that was going on. It was that, was it Ebola or there was something going on with like the food poisoning? There There was, there was. And that's actually a big part of why their stock hits the crazy value it does. It's because momentum is taken into account. So if the rate is keeps increasing, that trend is weighed a little bit more. So in terms of like the, the homework assignment I just did, like, you know, if it, that happened in 2015 and because it everything was so low then it just seemed like we were beginning on a spike of momentum interesting okay cool that's 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 interesting i um so if you so you take chipotle and you take mcdonald's and separate the two what do you have an idea of what other company out there is where you can could compare them close and like which other company compares close to chipotle i mean it's it's hard to say because all these are based on like the volume-based assumptions of the food industry. I mean, they're kind of based on just things always being distributed versus there being constant growth. And maybe pharmaceutical could replicate that for like the absolute wrongest reasons. But outside of that, I don't, I don't quite know. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's, yeah. Cause I feel like people have always talked about Chipotle being an, as an elevated company in that way. Um, and I guess I didn't understand why, but that makes sense. Yeah. And you know what? These guys, they're very valuable for a reason. I just thought it was a little bit interesting and, you know, we could have invested in them when we were in the eighties. We should have done it, but Hey, that's the world we live in. My friend, anyhow, these guys seems like, seems like pretty good investments moving forward. I'm sure any of like, S&P 500 index ETF you get will have plenty of them. But it was interesting to see how actually the ratios were used in terms of the firm's accounting to really get maximized value in one sector and just skew metrics. Like there's a total money ball in the valuation system. And like, I would love to answer your question, Matt, but I don't know enough yet. Yeah, that's good, though, because, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of potential for, uh, I don't know, there's a lot to be learned from this, apparently. Yeah, there certainly is, and but that's why we're back to slow and steady, wins the race, tortoise in the hair. So I might live closer to a McDonald's, but the Chipotle stock is closer to my heart. Hey, that's true. I couldn't even tell you where Chipotle is. I've had Chipotle delivered to my apartment before, but I couldn't tell you where it's located. Me too. I couldn't tell you. It says it's from Williamsburg, but I've never seen a Chipotle in Williamsburg. You can't yeah. fool me. That's Dos Toros territory. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, well, what, what, do you have anything else we want to talk about? I mean, I feel like we flew through. We flew through. That's our chat. I mean, that's what's going on with me. I like the Coinbase play. I've been doing too much homework, and I failed a math test. That's all you need to know, party people. Oh, I also had knee surgery, and I'm trying to buy an apartment, so there's a lot on the docket right now. Yeah, I got nothing really going on. I, uh, you know, I got, uh, yeah, I got nothing. Nothing's going on. People are being mean to me on Settlers of Catan. Yeah, that's it. Welcome to the welcome to the world of online gaming. 
All right. Well, we'll be back next week with um, maybe Ari will come on. I can hang around and maybe even this week because we didn't have one last week. We can maybe do one Friday or Saturday or something. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, we're a little thrown off with everything going on. So but we're going to do our best to get back on track. And uh, yeah, well, I, we could, I would definitely be down to do another Friday, um, have Ari on. And we can if we do it Friday, we can kind of uh, check in and see how my GameStop uh, is working out. Yeah, let's see. Well, big things are happening on the 16th. We're releasing two episodes in a week. That's true. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Follow us on Patreon. Uh, follow us on social media. Uh, I'm doing Stand Up New York shows again and uh, all that. So if you're in New York, check that out. If you live in uh, Boise, uh, I'm doing the Comedy Festival in Boise in May. So if you're in Boise in May, you can come see me and a bunch of comedians from... Uh, New York City come do shows and uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna bring my my shoes so if you know a spot to go climbing in Boise let me know All that's right. it climbing in Boise goodbye everybody